Hello, sweethearts. Welcome to Love Letters 2. I'm Alicia. I'm Melissa. We're so excited you're joining us today. In a small detour today, Melissa, you have got one love letter that we wouldn't even want to compete with. You're going to tell us about a lady spy today. I sure am. She is the lady spy of all lady spies, and I am on a mission for everyone to know her name because she's amazing. Tell me more. All right. Dear Virginia Hall, for most of the years since your remarkable work during World War II, you have been an unsung hero with your story rarely being told. Recently, you have begun to get more of the credit you so rightfully deserve. With this letter, I wish to pay tribute to you for your many heroic acts and to do my part to help make your name and contributions better known as one of the most important American spies of all time. You were the most highly decorated female civilian during World War II. And I believe it's a horrible oversight that you're not widely honored with the other heroic men and women that fought for our freedom. Some recent books about your life have been published, and I'd like to mention them now so that any listeners who are interested in reading more about you will know where to look. The first one is called A Woman of No Importance, The Untold Story of the American Spy Who Helped Win World War II by Sonia Purnell. The second one is called Spy Mistress, The True Story of the Greatest Female Secret Agent of World War II by William Stevenson. And the third one I think has possibly the best name, and it's called Codename Badass, The True Story of Virginia Hall by Heather Demetrios. So let's take a look at how you came to be considered the most dangerous of all allied spies by the Nazis. Virginia Hall, you were born into a wealthy Baltimore family in 1906. As was true for all girls born into well-to-do families at the time, you were raised to marry well. But this future was not appealing to you. You wanted more. You wanted a life of purpose and adventure. Your parents had a hard time explaining your rebellious streak and unwillingness to conform to the life they expected for you. You did all kinds of things that well-brought-up young ladies were not supposed to do. You were athletic. You liked to hunt. You even went to school once wearing a bracelet made of live snakes. What? <laughs> that Ooh. got her some attention. You actually called yourself capricious and cantankerous. And although those traits may have bewildered your parents, they would be essential for the work ahead of you. Intelligent and well-connected, you attended Radcliffe and Barnard Colleges, but then your parents agreed to let you go study in Paris for a while. This was the beginning of your dream of adventure and a life outside of Baltimore society. While there, you fell in love with France and knew you wanted a life that involved international work and travel. While you were in France, you learned to speak French fluently, but not just French. Also Spanish, Russian, German, and Italian. You decided you wanted to become a diplomat. This wasn't going to be easy for you as a woman, but that did not deter you from applying with the State Department several times. You eventually were placed in a clerical job at the U.S. Embassy in Warsaw, Poland. It wasn't what you wanted, but it was a hopeful start. Eventually, you took the diplomat's entrance exam and scored 100%. 
So things were starting to shape up and it appeared your plan of becoming a diplomat just might work out after all. I mean, you had an Ivy League education, you were fluent in six languages, you had done impressive work in your clerical position, but every time a job opening came up and you applied, your application got conveniently lost. Did they pay attention to the 100% on the diplomat test? Come no, on. I think they were paying attention to the fact that she wasn't a man. So you decided to try your luck at a different location. You transferred to the U.S. Embassy in Turkey. Then you experienced what could have been the end of your diplomatic career and something that could have sent you right back to Baltimore and to the conventional life you had been raised to live. While on a hunting trip in Turkey with some friends, you were trying to climb over a fence and accidentally shot yourself in the foot. Even though your friends took you immediately to the hospital, bacteria had already gotten into the open wound and your foot became terribly infected, which then spread throughout the whole leg. Soon you learned that your leg would have to be amputated from the knee down, leaving you permanently disabled at the age of 27. You received a wooden leg that you named Cuthbert. <laughs> and you set about learning to walk with that new prosthetic. You refused to give up on your dream, even with a wooden leg. You applied for more diplomatic positions, but you were told that there was no way that you would become a diplomat now that you were missing a leg. Furious, you wrote to the Secretary of State, Cordell Hull, who wrote back to you and said that you could, quote, become a fine career girl at the consular service. So basically, he told you to go back and be a secretary like all the other good girls. And then he banned you from ever applying for any future diplomatic jobs again. Not cool, man. Not cool. Not cool. And she would show him. So, Virginia, you kept at it while you figured out a new plan to be useful and fulfill your dream of adventure and purpose. When World War II broke out, you became an ambulance driver. A year later, the Nazis invaded France and you had to escape this may sound like a fairly common thing for people to do during the occupation, but the escape route that she took and that many other people took were through the Pyrenees Mountains on what was called the Freedom Trail. Oh, we must remember, Virginia, that this was rough and treacherous for anyone. The trail was 44 miles long with elevations that reached 6,000 feet. It was an arduous journey and you had a wooden leg. Over the course of the war, there would sadly be over 2,000 experienced mountain guides who would lead fleeing groups through this trail, and many of them were captured and executed in their attempts. But not you, Virginia. Even though it must have been painful and daunting, you safely arrived in England and went directly to the American Embassy in London to volunteer your services. With the war in full swing, your special abilities and fluencies in many languages were considered to be very valuable. They agreed to bring you on as a spy with the SOE. You were trained in weaponry, security, communications, and resistance activity, and then you were given the code name Heckler. After returning to France, by again hiking through the Freedom Trail, you used your false identification to pretend to be a reporter from the New York Post but you are actually publishing intelligence that you had gathered through your spy network. One of your main jobs during this time was to recover Allied pilots after their planes had been shot down or crashed. You would rescue them and take them to a safe house. But if anyone thought you would be satisfied with this, they were wrong. You knew that you were capable of contributing even further. So you joined with a French doctor to plot jailbreaks 
to save POWs from Nazi war camps. Once you had broken the prisoners free, you would lead them for many days to England on foot through the Freedom Trail, through those Pyrenees Mountains again and again. You were in part able to evade the Nazis because of your limp. Although many people thought that the limp would prove to be your downfall, it actually aided you because on the surface, the Nazis thought of you as nothing more than a helpless woman who walked with a limp. You played into the chauvinist attitude of the Gestapo, who felt that a woman was not capable of being a successful spy and were able to go undetected by hiding in plain sight. You employed many tactics during the war. You stayed at a convent and persuaded the nuns to help you. You very smartly befriended a brothel owner and received information that German officers spilled when they were visiting the French ladies who worked there. Genius. Inevitably, though, news did spread that a woman with a lip called Agent Heckler was helping Allied troops, and you came to the attention of the chief of the Gestapo in France, Klaus Barbie, known as the Butcher of Lyon, and you came to be known as the Limping Lady. Barbie ordered wanted posters of you with your picture on it, and they said, quote, the enemy's most dangerous spy, we must find and destroy her. You were relentlessly chased by the Gestapo, and many of the members of your spy network were caught and killed, but you stayed one step ahead of them, changing your appearance constantly. Biographer Sonia Purnell said, quote, she could be four different women in the space of one afternoon with four different code names, unquote. You came very close to being captured in late 1942, but escaped to Spain after walking for three days in heavy snow through the Pyrenees Mountains. Let's just think about this for a minute. The weather was horrible. It was the middle of winter and she had a prosthetic leg. The journey was harrowing for able-bodied people in good weather, afraid, being chased by the Nazis, exhausted from everything. It's almost unimaginable. The story is riveting. What happens? Okay, well, it keeps going. The dedication and endurance that this must have taken is astounding. But Virginia, when you returned to England, they refused to let you go back to France because they thought it was too dangerous for you. This was not going to stop Virginia Hall, though. The Americans were now ramping up their own intelligence networks. They had very little presence in France, and Virginia's services were desperately needed. Obviously, the Nazis knew who you were now, and they were hunting for you, but she didn't let that deter her either. So Virginia, your next step was to get a makeup artist to teach you how to disguise yourself as an old woman with wrinkles. You decided this disguise also required a change to your perfect American teeth in order to be believable. So you had a dentist grind down those teeth so you could look like an authentic aging French milkmaid. This time when you returned to France, you were even fiercer and more successful than before. You called in airdrops for the resistance fighters who then blew up bridges, sabotaged Nazi trains, and allowed them to reclaim French villages. You mapped out safe zones for supply drops, organized safe houses, trained resistance fighters in guerrilla warfare, and personally assisted in training soldiers for the invasion of Normandy. And of course, you did many more things that saved the lives of countless people. And so I encourage everyone to read more about you, Virginia Hall, so that you can be honored for your remarkable service and courage. Your niece, 
who was 16 when you returned from the war, said that you never spoke about your experiences. This is most likely because of your intense training and what you saw happen to those who did talk. You once told someone, quote, many of my friends were killed for talking too much, unquote. And when you returned to the United States, President Harry Truman wanted to honor you at a public White House ceremony, but you refused because you wanted to remain undercover. So instead, you were personally awarded the Distinguished Service Cross by General Donovan, which is the United States Army's second highest military decoration for soldiers who displayed extraordinary heroism in combat with an armed enemy force. But you were not technically a soldier. You were the only civilian woman to be awarded this medal during all of World War II. The United Kingdom made you an honorary member of the Order of the British Empire, and France awarded you many things as well. After the war, you continued working for the newly formed CIA for 15 years, but you weren't as satisfied in this role. You longed for the days in the field, getting your hands dirty, being on the front line, and literally risking your life every day. Once you had returned home, you were once again given limits and faced the same old barriers from before the war because you were a woman. Fellow agents recall how you were sidelined, undermined, and even belittled by some of your superiors at the CIA. And I would like to say to those men who treated you poorly after all you had done to save so many during the war, they should be ashamed of themselves for their actions and for the disgrace they brought to the positions they held, for not honoring your level of skill and bravery, which was undoubtedly more than their own. You retired in 1966 when you reached the age of 60, which was the mandatory retirement age. You never did speak publicly about your experiences, which is probably a major factor in your story being kept secret for so long. But now, almost 80 years after the end of World War II, it's more than time that your truly extraordinary tale is told. Here's to you, Virginia Hall. America's greatest spy of World War II. You overcame all obstacles, defied the Nazis, rose to the challenge in the most dangerous and trying of times. Hopefully everyone will read about you now that your story is available for us so we can honor you, so that you can serve as an inspiration and as a reminder of the difference that just one person can make when they are determined and courageous. Melissa, well done. That was incredible. Virginia Hall sounds amazing. She really is amazing. She is my hero. I don't think there's any competing with that, nor should we even try. She really does deserve her own time in the spotlight. We're going to let this love letter episode be to Virginia Hall, lady badass spy. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks everyone so much for tuning in to listen. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We can't wait to be back with you next Tuesday for a brand new love letter to the unexpected and delightful until we meet again, then sweethearts stay in love. Thanks for listening to love letters Two, a hemlock creatives production. Feel like showing some love to love letters Two? We'd love it. If you tell a friend or leave us a kind review or even come and visit us on social media, you can find us at Instagram or Facebook at love letters Two podcast. 
You can also reach out and email us at loveletters2podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at loveletters2podcast.com. Until we meet again in the next episode, darlings, stay in love.